Hi, and welcome back to the European VC, the go-to podcast for everything European VC. If you love our show, share it with your friends and join us in the EU VC community syndicates at theeuropeanvc.com. Today, we're happy to welcome Rando, general partner of Siena Secondary Fund. Rando is a founding member of the Estonian Startup Leaders Club. He's an active member of Estban and has a successful startup journey with an exit and a portfolio of 30 plus startups. And on the contrary to typical early stage VC funds, Siena Secondary is focusing on later stage startups, which already have solid business models and are growing exponentially. If you enjoy our content, do support us by hitting the follow button, giving it a review and following us on LinkedIn. Want to be on top of who the best up-and-coming emerging VCs in Europe are and maybe even invest with them? Register for our newsletter at theemergingvc.substack.com and be the first to get in the know. Rando, welcome to the European VC. It's great having you here. How is everything today? Thank you for inviting and uh, nice to be here. The water is nice outside and not so uh, hot as in western part of Europe, but up here in North, uh, we actually enjoy it. So a uh, nice uh, 27 degrees outside so we can combine work and vacation. As you should uh, whenever you can. Rando, I always like to start with the similar question, which is... Tell us, how did Siena Secondary's Fund come to be? Share with us the origin story. Tell us everything. Well, uh, Siena Secondary Fund, we have been uh, here now one and a half years, and it came together by combining forces from my side. So my story is that I started out in the consulting world, you seen more than 20 years ago, and then kind of fed up with the life, <laughs> corporate world. <laughs> That's a story we often have on the European VC. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I switched to the startup world just before the previous crisis. And I think at that time, uh, nobody knew uh, or used the word startup, not in Estonia. For us, it was a good start. We basically uh, launched the internet, internet advertising business. We did the full life cycle. We basically bootstrapped, raised money, ex- uh, expanded, and finally sold to the Modern Times Group. And after that, I've been um, on the other side of the table, mentoring startups, uh, doing some angel investments. And uh, then I basically ended up in Estonia Business Angel Network with my current GPs, uh, Lauri and Ryan. Uh, they have been in the investment banking, corporate finance for more than 20 years. So and been doing tech-enabled investments also 20 plus years. I mean, in the early 2000s, they were one of the first ones who invested through their early stage VC. They invested into social networks before Facebook was born. They were minority owners in Narsha Klaas and Adam Glasniki, which were the Facebook of Poland and Russia. They have been in 20 years in doing the kind of same stuff, M&As and also kind of balance sheet angel investments. Now, we kind of ended up and started to discuss what's happening in the market. And we saw that, I mean, we have had in Estonia quite many of those good exits. I mean, the Wise is the most well-known, but also Pipedrive. And uh, what has happened is that there has been uh, kind of a new influx of capital and talent and lots of new angels coming to the market, new startups coming into the market. What has happened is that the early stage has uh, getting crowded. So the valuations have increased uh, significantly access to the best deals is getting uh, more complicated. So we look at the market and we saw that why should we be in the kind of Red Sea? We should be more on the kind of a <laughs> blue ocean. And then we saw that in the later stage, 
the market is needing uh, kind of liquidity. We did a couple of uh, standalone deals, uh, kind of formed the syndicates. For example, we did a few years ago, we did a syndicate in Bolt, the ride-hailing unicorn. We saw that even if it's a unicorn and there are still people who want to sell and there's you know, some people who want to get in. And uh, this kind of led us to thinking that why not to kind of focus it fully on this? Especially, I mean, this, everything kind of happened at the same time that the COVID hit and then previous projects ended. And so we kind of came together, uh, we shared the same idea and then kind of, we said, okay, let's give it a try. So typically, you know, when people go into early stage investing, it's because they've got an experience there as an angel when they start doing a fund there. How much experience would you say that you guys had doing secondaries before you launched the fund? We talk about uh, just about secondaries. There were like a couple of standalone deals, but the secondaries as a concept anyway is totally new, especially we talk about the VC secondaries. But I think if you look at the competence that is needed for doing successful secondaries fund, then uh, one side you need to have the network to access the deals. Me being part of the Estonian Founders Society more than 12 years, I'm one of the first members in the Estonian Founders Society. Then uh, being also in the business angel networks, knowing the VCs, this helps to kind of uh, produce the uh, deals. Yeah. On the other side, it's about to execute the deals. My fellow GPs, Ryan and Lauris, their experience in uh, doing M&A, complicated M&A deals actually comes uh, in hand. So I think the combination of the competencies uh, helps us do it successfully. Yeah. When you say networks just to double down on that, we've spoken to industry ventures before who, of course, have great experience in secondaries. And, you know, the way they describe it is, well, Europe is quite different from the U.S. because the U.S. market, you know, secondary has been around for quite a while. Everyone kind of knows the ins and outs of it and where you find the deals, basically. It's not as intransparent as here. I'd love to hear your sourcing strategy there. How do you get to the deals? Firstly, it starts out communicating what is a secondary and uh, doing public awareness. Talking about it in the business angel networks, you know, we are part of the Finnish business angel network, Estonian, uh, we have been in Latvia, Lithuania, talking about what is the concept. Then it helps to raise the awareness. This uh, helps to kind of bring uh, some of the deals. On top of that, when you kind of talk with people, then many of the fellow investors with whom we have been in the angel networks, they are looking to cash out because uh, they have been uh, maybe done 100x on their investments and then they're thinking, okay, maybe it's time to kind of cash out like 10% of it. So they're looking ways to do it. So um, I would say that in the beginning, basically, we uh, we were more proactive because uh, we had to kind of uh, go into the most interesting target companies. Uh, but uh, the time goes by, I think uh, more and more we're getting uh, inbound interest as well, especially uh, at the current macroeconomic situation where <laughs> everybody looking more liquidity. So we're seeing some deals that we were chasing a year ago and we were basically blocked out. And now these things are on table and uh, we can negotiate quite okay uh, deal terms as well. I'd love to ask you, Rando, to try and juxtapose the dance around the deal in early stage versus secondary? It's, I think it's totally a different game. I mean, in the early stage, you're, you're basically looking at the team, at the market. You're, you're basically, you're buying a lottery ticket and you know that eight uh, investments out of 10 probably go to bust. Yeah. Although you're still doing it. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, in the case of secondaries, uh, how we have constructed our approach is that we don't want to see any kind of a defaults in the portfolio. So yes, there can be, might be some turnarounds, but in default as such shouldn't be in place. So it's a, if you talk about power law in VC, it's a kind of early stage game, but in a secondaries, it's not the case. It shouldn't be, at least. I think before we dive into that, because there's a lot of questions I want to ask there, I think it would be great to have you, Rando, give us the Siena Secondary Fund elevator pitch. So everyone listening in knows exactly what you guys are doing and what you're all about. We are, um, like the name says, uh, secondary funds. So we're focusing 100% on the uh, VC direct secondaries, mainly on the Baltics uh, and the Finland area. But we can do deals uh, kind of in neighboring countries as well. So we are okay to do a look at deals in Sweden, Poland, um, even Belarus, uh, Ukraine, if they have legal entities somewhere kind of safe areas. What we provide for the um, uh, sellers, we provide liquidity on their kind of illiquid assets. Uh, for the investors, uh, what we provide is um, access to the best of best creme de la creme startups from the region, the ones that they have missed. And by being together with us, we try to build a kind of, a, let's say, index type of you know, coverage of the startup market. Best of the best. That's the kind of idea that we are going after. At what stage are you getting into these startups? So when you engage in these deals, what's the maturity level? Are they Series C onwards? Is it a bit earlier after? We are looking at the. We have said, let's say, well, like A plus, but uh, nowadays the you know the letters usually don't matter so much there. Kind of, if, <laughs> especially if you look at yesterday's news about uh, Adam Newman getting the three hundred fifty million for uh, the year. So, uh, uh, but there's probably a good secondary steal later on. <laughs> Definitely for him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but uh, I think more important are the KPIs. We're looking at yeah. companies. Um, 10 million annual revenue, uh, growing at least 50% per year, uh, valuation probably 100 million upwards. So this is something that describes, I mean, whatever the letter <laughs> they are, A, B, C. <laughs> whatever part of the alphabet they're being. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> Am I right to say then from a vertical perspective, you're a bit agnostic as, as you're saying, you're indexing a bit at uh, this later stage? Exactly. I mean... As usual, we, we limit ourselves with the areas where, what we understand. So if a business that we don't understand how they make money, then it's, we cannot invest. So uh, let's say life sciences, um, biotech is something that it's, for us, it's uh, too complicated. That we probably stay away from that. Uh, even maybe crypto is something that we probably will not touch. And some of those verticals are less ripe for disruption from a secondary perspective, at least that's my, that's my view, right? Exactly. Biotech, because the model is so well established. Yes, exactly. If you want to know what type of companies we're looking at, go back in time, five, seven years, and look at what were the hot uh, sectors at that time. <laughs> so uh, probably mobility, uh, fintech, um, P2B SaaS. I think these are the kind of uh, ones that were hot then, and that probably will be in our portfolio as well. Elaborate a bit on that, because yes, they were hot back then, that, of course, means that now the growth stage, it also means that there's oftentimes a good discount, as we talked about, right? But, you know, a discount on a higher valuation from before doesn't really matter if the company is on its way down or, you know. True. So that's why we want to know uh, how the company is doing at the moment it's, and uh, where it's heading. It's not only about the what was the valuation uh, recently, but, but also seeing the underlying metrics. How do you 
inform yourself around valuation when you do a secondary transaction? Because oftentimes it's between rounds. It's, you know, something that's just happening. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, what method do you use to land at a valuation on the company? Well, the best is that there has been a round in the last 12 months or there will be upcoming around just in short time period. And then we can kind of anchor uh, the valuation uh, around that. That's the easiest. And we have had cases uh, where there hasn't been a price round and uh, we couldn't agree on the valuation. We tried to kind of uh, take the benchmark data, look at the, what uh, what are the kind of revenue multiples and so on. We had one idea, the, the seller had uh, the other idea. So, I mean, we couldn't land the deal and that's fine. And then, okay, let's say that so in the majority of the cases you have a priced round, but then the big question is discount, right? What's the rule in secondaries in Europe? Can you say anything about that? Uh, the rule is that everybody agrees <laughs> uh, case <laughs> by case, but uh, <clears throat> it depends uh, pretty much on the uh, uh, when you're entering. Uh, there are some funds who are going in a bit earlier and then uh, they are kind of uh, negotiating a bit higher discount. We have made deals at the moment up to 30%. But if I would take the median, then I would say 15, 20% probably is the kind of a ballpark that should find a kind of a match between the seller and the buyer. So I spoke the other day to a person at the Isomer team, and part of what they're doing is that they're actually helping GPs out on their secondaries Mm -hmm. or doing secondaries when they need liquidity and that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. Is that a space that you guys look at at all, or do you focus more not at the on moment. other routes? Not at the moment. I mean, uh, the capital uh, that we have at the moment, that limits our kind of scope as well. So Isomer yeah. has uh, much more deeper pockets, so they can uh, look at the bigger chunks yeah. as well. But for us, we have at the moment 70 plus LPs. It's uh, Half of it, it's coming from the uh, startup ecosystem, the founders, the early employees, uh, the angels of unicorns, like yeah. Wise, Pipe Drive, uh, Filio, Vinted, Unity, and so on. But the other half is the kind of uh, old industry money. Businessmen, lawyers, real estate professionals who have never invested into the uh, startups before. And actually, we are proud that we have managed to convince them and bring new capital to the VC ecosystem. And we're now onboarding our first proper institutional investor. So, so far, it has been mainly family offices, private individuals, a couple of CVCs. So, in that sense, we are kind of limited with capital. But that's okay. It's a first-time fund. What we have achieved already in one and a half years, that's quite okay. What about GP carry stakes? (laughs) <laughs> that's a that's a different piece, right? But it, it kind of smells like secondaries. <laughs> it is actually we we have been offered as well, uh, <laughs> but uh, we haven't managed to kind of discuss it properly. So um, interesting topic, and I would love to see uh, how this evolves. Yeah, nah, but I'm of course asking because we have you know four thousand GPs tuning in. So if some of them would like a uh, liquidity option. I wanted to hear if if that was on the table with you guys. Never say never, you know. <laughs> as long as both parties agree, I think that's the matter. Exactly. Uh, I think it's not about the, only about the money. It's about what the incoming investor brings along on top of the capital. So uh, I think that's the kind of defining factor. Yeah, but it's a complicated deal to strike, right? Because you need to, you're typically a startup investor and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're evaluating a GP team. <laughs> I actually have, um, um, yeah. I have uh, a couple of questions. I'll pack it all into one question, which is 
First time fund, Rando, you told us that. It would be great just to have that rundown as well. Mm -hmm. What's the size of the fund? What's the status? Are you post final close? Are you mm -hmm. post first mm -hmm. close? Where is that? How is that going? Mm -hmm. Super cool. And then your follow-up question to that, which is very nitty gritty, but it's something around the lines of, I've met secondary investors that focus mostly on providing liquidity to founders, mm -hmm. others that focus more on driving the deal through other GPs. And I'd love to hear your thoughts there. What is your approach there? We're quite agnostic from whom we buy. But if I have possibility to choose, I would choose from either an angel, somebody part of the local ecosystem, um, angel, founder, early employee, something like that. Because a small check uh, will help them a lot and uh, it will help to kind of um, recycle the capital better. Uh, so this is one of the kind of a hypothesis we have that basically um, secondaries can help to uh, boost local and uh, European uh, VC ecosystem to a new level. Unfortunately, there are bigger LPs who are not always thinking the same way, especially that uh, those ones who are government-backed. So we need to kind of uh, do the, a lot of education in that respect. And I hope that uh, the fund one uh, metrics and results will kind of show that, yes, some of the capital will go to the buying uh, apartment, but uh, some of the money comes back to the local ecosystem and helps to kind of uh, boost it to a new level. Is that really the sales speech? Because what you often hear is people saying, well, I want my money to go to developing the company not to making someone mm -hmm. else rich. That's the traditional view, and that's why people, some people don't like secondaries. Exactly. Um, I think it's uh, the mentality changing. It's shifting a bit. It started out in the U.S. already a few years ago, but I think now we're seeing this segment growing in, in Europe as well. I mean, we're one of the funds, but I mean, Isomer, there is Balloton, uh, TempoCap, and other players uh, in Europe who are pushing this uh, segment further as well. So uh, in that sense, I think it's just a matter of time. The market accepts that at a certain level, liquidity, even for the founder, I mean, if it's uh, half a million, one million, it doesn't matter. It's still 99% of their value is still in the company. Yeah. And they're doing well. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, Sienna, secondaries fund. First time I saw your name, I thought, okay, this is a Spanish something fund. <laughs> or Italian, or Italian. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. Why Siena? Why Siena? That's a funny story. My fellow GPs, many years ago, they were uh, doing um, uh, different investments. And uh, one of them was, uh, they were kind of thinking of buying a marble factory, you know, marble as a stone. The marble came from Italy, from Siena region. They basically created a holding company for that specific transaction, but eventually the deal didn't go through and then they had the entity. And at some point they decided, okay, maybe it's wise to kind of uh, pool our, all our individual uh, startup investments under one brand. They had already the entity. Why not to use the nice name? It's neutral. It's nice sounding. <laughs> the funny that. thing is that... Uh, <laughs> the funny thing is that Siena is written with the one N, but uh, yeah. and whenever I talk with people abroad, then they always write Siena with two Ns. So I don't know what's yeah. the catch. To me, that whole story just proves that if you're a secondary trader, you have no heart at all. 
you <laughs> could uh. just pick up a name because we yeah we already had a holding company so you know whatever what's the name <laughs> well actually no uh, I, I wouldn't say that it's a kind of a we want to kind of a squeeze all the blood of all of you no it's it's not the case i'm teasing you i'm teasing you because that's what some people would say that a secondary street is like. So that's what I'm teaching. You've been saying many nice things, among which was preferring buying off founders, early employees, and local champions to give back to the ecosystem. I think secondary is something we've been lacking a lot in Europe, especially because we have many founders that are you know, cash-strapped, but they're mm-hmm. equity-rich. Same thing on the GP side. We know GPs who everyone would think are super rich, and would be on their yacht uh, in the weekends, but they have a hard time almost paying their flat because they don't have any any real cash, right? Paper money, paper money. Yeah. I want to double down on something you're saying, Rando, which was on the LP side, you know, that you're quite proud you brought in, you know, these new investors into the asset class. That's super exciting. It's actually something we love, and we might, we might have a quick chat about that in a minute as well. But... Um, I'd love to hear this process of you're not only an emerging manager, but you're also an emerging manager in the secondary space, which is somewhat different, right? So I'd love to hear a bit, you know, what were the struggles? What were the challenges? How did the fundraise go? And remember the early days, like the first pitches Mm -hmm. and what were were like, how were LPs reacting to this pitch and share whatever you can. I'd love to hear. Well, we started out, I think, two years ago uh, when we kind of came together they said, okay, let's give it a try. So summer 2020, we decided, okay, let's start to kind of go around in the market and have a chat with people and test the idea. To our surprise, the response was very positive. So everybody said, this is a super good, cool idea. You should do it. We started to kind of mark down, okay, what is the kind of a soft interest we have? And, <laughs> and then they said, okay, let's start to form the fund officially. When we reached the uh, first closing and we went back to the LPs and said, okay, now we have established, uh, let's make the deal. And we kind of uh, found out that, well, some of the investors had decided to buy a yacht. Some of them invested into the crypto (laughs) uh, and and so on. So the soft commitment and the actual commitment were a bit different. I share that pain, man. I share that pain. (laughs) We're in the process of closing a a syndicate into actually an acrobat or amazing fund. And that is happening as well. Exactly. (laughs) People soft commit and then they forget about it. Exactly. (laughs) And they commit to other stuff. It should be as simple as Tinder. I mean, just swipe it right. And then stand. <laughs> I think the blame is a bit on us in our syndicate because, you know, there's time since people committed to us actually closing the syndicate. And then there's, we actually, we have another one ready to go, ready to close. But then given that our most of our investors are investing not out of a big money tank, right? They're investing out of their own savings and so on. So we don't really want to call 5,000 euros times two in the mm-hmm. same month. <laughs> so yeah, you learn something being a syndicate investor about timings and so on. And it's equally important when you actually run your process as, as a fund manager. Mm-hmm. I think one of the good points that we got from one of our mentors was you need to just ensure that you keep comps super intense and make sure that, that you know where people are and they know where you are so that you don't run into that situation. What we did... Uh... Uh, I read also about the kind of uh, what's the struggles for uh, for the emerging managers. I mean, and uh, some of the uh, U.S. VCs have kind of shared their experience. And I read like, okay, you need to start closing early with the small checks, and probably you uh, you will go through like 500 LPs, and then it's 
come on, 500. <laughs> and now I'm looking at our uh, spreadsheet and it's like, well, we are at 500. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a process. Um, but yeah. in, in general, I think it's a matter of, uh, you have to have those, let's say, FFF, friends, fools, family, who will support you in the beginning. You make the first deal and uh, then you kind of show that what you promised you can deliver. We had an amazing run with the Bolt. Bolt was our first investment. And after we invested, basically, they started to skyrocket because the results were super phenomenal. We got like a week after our investment, we got uh, already secondary offer to, <laughs> to, uh, to buy our stake. <laughs> and everything went well. So this kind of uh, attracted the new investors. We continued step by step showing that, okay, we did one deal. Then we did the second one, basically proving that we can enter. Firstly, it's like you need to show that you can execute any deal. Then it's, you can, can you do it another one? Can you do it outside Estonia? And so on and so on. And now, I, well, we have like seven deals in our portfolio. We have now kind of managed to smash those kind of uh, concerns from those LPs. I actually have the strong opinion that where I feel most emerging GPs sometimes fail is truly understanding the LP profile that they are best suited to serve. I'd love to hear your thoughts there and your experience there as a secondaries player. It is a different profile of LPs compared to someone who would invest in the syndicate deal that we just talked about, early stage, first time fund, right? It's a completely different LP profile that might do one or the other. And I'd love to hear you share a bit, okay, what is the LP profile or profiles that you guys have felt are mostly interested in your value proposition? Actually, I bit disagree. Okay. I don't think that uh, the profiles are so much different. The ones who want to invest into the startup world can invest into the syndicates, can in invest into uh, secondaries. What we realized in the beginning is uh, was that uh, basically for the larger institutional tickets, the process is so time consuming. We need to start small. So th that was the kind of first understanding, and uh, we did it like that kind of step-by-step step going into the family office, uh, CVCs, and uh, and so on. And we have followed that process. I think that if you're an investor, uh, you should have the diversification in all different asset class. And uh, within the, let's say, a higher risk area, what we consider VC investments, then yeah. you can easily combine both the early stage and the late stage. Late stage meaning a second risk. So I think that they suit together quite well. And we have done it ourselves. We have done uh, direct investments into the early stage uh, startups. We have done syndicates. We have led syndicates. Uh, we have done VC fund investments. So I think the combination helps to diversify and helps to make better returns in the end. I'd love to ask you about a trend that is sweeping across the asset class, and that's the democratization of it. And, you know, we're doing one thing of it, right? Our version mm -hmm. is we think the ecosystem should be involved in backing fund managers because there's so much to learn and gain from that all around. But I'd love to hear, you know, what's your take both on that in general in primaries, but also in, in uh, the secondaries market? Uh, I think uh, what in Europe uh, what is missing is that uh, the you know, overall, we don't have so much LP capital in Europe. Even if I look at the pension funds uh, regionally, there are a couple of players who have invested into the VCs and some of them heavily, but majority of them have never invested into the VC asset class at all. And this is a question, why? What can we do it, uh, to improve it? So I think the problem is in the uh, kind of twofold. In one end, we have the large institutional players who can bring in much more capital and help to develop the ecosystem uh, 
further. But on the other hand, that what you're kind of uh, helping to solve is how can any individual come and invest to uh, VCs across Europe? For example, Cedars is now putting together the syndicates and um, I think it's wonderful what you guys are doing. And in the secondary market, do you see any, you know, application of it that's different from the primary market? Or would you say now it is the same? It's about people getting active in the asset class and we're not as such seeing anything special here. I think in the early stage, the difference is that the ones who want to come in with the smaller tickets, they want also maybe to provide some time and experience to help to grow the startups. So this is the question, how can you tackle into that uh, resource as well, besides uh, the kind of uh, growing capital? In case of the secondaries, I think it's more about, it's a financial investment and the company's already a later stage. Uh, It's not so much you can help uh, there, but in the early stage, it's how can you kind of uh, use that resources and help I don't know, uh, how have you done it uh, with the Acrobat and the others? Uh, have you managed to kind of pull this kind of things together and provide some resources for them as well? Now, that's actually a super interesting point, and I, I definitely agree. It's that do you want to take that operator kind of role of supporting or not? What I find is very interesting, and I have no idea. It's just, you know, it's a thought, and I'm actually happy Andreas asked this. For the retail investor that doesn't have specialized knowledge, I think approaches like more secondaries driven, more financially driven approaches basically are interesting because they're highly de-risked, right? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't require that hands-on involvement. It's not really what we're doing, but I do find it super interesting and super cool. Yes, but uh, on the the other hand, uh, I think when you are in the early stage and you can be the advisor for the startup and you can get some, let's say, tokens or uh, shares in the company, then you would have kind of a multiplier effect on your investment. So I think this is the opportunity that some of the retail investors are thinking as well. That's, of course, the whole thesis around our investments, right? We say, well, 50 people coming across together across the ecosystem investing into a fund. Well, it's going to be a pretty powerful superpower for that fund to have. Mm -hmm. But that's also why we focus on early stage funds, because, well, yeah, late stage secondaries fund, you know, 50 people across Europe, Maybe that won't bring as much value to the portfolio. <laughs> That's not exactly what Klarna is looking for when they uh, exactly. are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, super awesome. I'll kick it to David to wrap it up with the quick fire. As you probably are aware of, we always end our episodes with a quick fire round. Is when we ask you a couple of quick answer questions, thirty to sixty seconds each. Are you ready? Should. First question, what areas, technologies, or even sectors excite you the most that other people around you don't really feel that excited about? Hmm. Interesting question, because it's, uh, for me, it's what interests me and what I'm kind of learning myself is everything that is around uh, Web3. So I want to see how crypto was one thing, but how the tokenization of the economy can bring up new business models. So this is something that interests me. I'm kind of looking at uh, that, not from the kind of a secondary fund perspective, but just uh, me as a person. This is something that I'm kind of keen to learn and see what's going to happen. I think both Andres and I agree (laughs) that that is super interesting. We're paying a lot of attention to it, seeing what happens. A bit skeptic, but paying a lot of attention to (laughs) it. We're we're in the same boat. (laughs) There you go. We do hopefully have a syndicate coming up soon into uh, one of the... I'm very hyped about them, uh, European crypto funds. Excited there. 
ready to throw a couple of thousand euros and let's see what happens. Okay, cool. <laughs> exactly. Second question, Rando. What are your top tips for emerging VCs across Europe who are fundraising? Well, uh, like I mentioned before, start small, start closing fast. I mean, even the smaller tickets are welcome. Secondly, what you promise, deliver. Build up the, your kind of track record and uh, show that you can make the deals. Maybe you have this target of raising, I don't know, 20, 50 million, but you can start early. Once you have 1 million already catered, you can make the first deals. You can show that you can deliver and then you can go on and uh, prove yourself further. Third and final question of the quick fire, Rando, which is what's the most counterintuitive thing you've learned since you've been in venture? I don't know whether it's a counterintuitive, but what kind of a, a surprised me was that during the process of now running the fund, I realized that setting up a VC fund is almost the same as uh, doing a startup. The process is a bit similar. Maybe the check sizes are a bit bigger, but it's, it's the same. You go to the same investors, you ask the money, uh, you need to have pitch deck, you need to uh, prove yourself with KPIs that you can deliver. Once you have the progress, you can go to the bigger investors, you can raise more money. At the same time, you need to build your operations, you need to do the marketing and everything. So uh, I would say that it's a different type of startup. So I don't know whether this answers your questions or not. <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons why we love founding partners of emerging VC firms so much. Because they have that entrepreneurial trait so like so embedded into them, and we love that. So I think I definitely agree that that is uh, something that excites me. I wouldn't say if it's counterintuitive or not. I don't know, <laughs> but it's super interesting for sure. It is counterintuitive in that most people would think that a startup founder and a venture investor are very different. Yeah. Because startup founder is this passionate That's guy, true. an investor that's the guy in the suit who's going to be you know whatever yeah, dragons I, then. High profile. Exactly. And and the, the kind of a, what people think that, oh, uh, investor or fund manager, oh, super rich, it's super easy, and and, and, and so on and so on. So it's, uh, well. Uh, when we were in London uh, last time, we ordered a, um, I wanted a late night kebab. I tend to wonder when David and I have been out drinking too much. Then the pizza guy asked, so uh, what do you guys do? And I was like, well, uh, started trying to explain what we do. And then he concluded, what, so you take money from rich people, give it to some other rich people who then gives it to someone else. <laughs> well, that, that's too easy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's not exactly our experience that it's easy, but yes, we are just moving money from one entity <laughs> to another. Well, you should have said that uh, you're an influencer in the uh, investment community. Yes. That's easier. I don't think that would have improved our standing with <laughs> <laughs> Rando, thanks so much for joining us. It was awesome having you here today. I think that the audience could hear that we enjoyed this conversation and everything was quite laid back, but that's because we've had an ongoing conversation about secondaries in Siena for a long time. So awesome having you here. Super. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to this episode of The European VC, the go-to podcast for everything European VC. If you love our show, share it with your friends and join us in the EU VC community syndicates at theeuropeanvc.com. Want to be on top of who the best up and coming emerging VCs in Europe are and maybe even invest with them? Register for our newsletter at theemergingvc.substack.com and be the first to get in the know.